around the world and coast to coast. This is the Phil Nason Show. You're listening to AFR, the Armed Forces Radio Network. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Phil Nason Show. Hey everybody, welcome to the Phil Nason Show. I am so happy to have you here. We'll be here for as long as it takes. And today we're going to do a little diversion. We're going to talk NC2A hoops. First time in 10 years that we've actually done it. And I am thrilled to present a couple of great guests. My, one of my best friends on earth, Greg Frame, will be here to talk about the scandal. The big NC2A scandal. He's a former point guard at Dartmouth. Top 10 leading scorer in their history. So he's got a pretty interesting perspective. And then we're going to talk a little bit about Syracuse. Someone very near and dear to me is here on the line. We want to thank also, obviously, Armed Forces Radio. We want to thank Bovada. We want to thank Dollar Shave. Hit those links because the Flash needs some cash. Without further ado, let's talk about Syracuse Hoops from NoonsMagician.com. Please welcome my good friend, Andrew Godnick. You are in the house, Andrew. What's happening? Thank you. Thanks for having me. Great to be here. Are Great you awake? Uh, Did they go, treat yeah. you well in the green room? I, I must <laughs> know these things. Yeah, nothing better than, than waking up in the uh, two feet of snow here up in Syracuse. Oh, right. Yeah, but you know what? One of the kids I've enjoyed watching play this year is is Tyus Battle. Of course. He's been good. thousand he points in two seasons. Now, let me ask you something about this kid. He's not going to go pro, is he? Here's the thing. I think coming into the year, I was fully bought in that Tyus Battle was going to be a professional basketball player after the season. Right. I still think he has the talent. He has the build. He's around 6'6". Uh, he has the body frame to drive to the paint. He really has worked on his perimeter shooting this year, which is really going to help him in the next level because as everyone who watches the NBA has seen, the three-point shot is taking over the league. So being able to be a perimeter player who's able to shoot the basketball is definitely a, a, a plus. However... Syracuse is, is on the bubble right now. Some may say that they are in. Some may say that they are they are are out. But I think Tyus Battle really enjoys this team, and I think if they were a lock to make the tournament, I think he'd be gone. But I think he's proven that he can play in the NBA. I think he still doesn't know if he wants to leave yet. But I would not be surprised if he is in the NBA next year. Yeah, see, that's just it. You know, that NC2A tournament is important because mm-hmm. there's so many games. And, and now you interned last summer for the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah. And, and I've been around the NBA, as you probably heard, for a while. Of course. And, I, and the thing is, is that uh, a lot of these scouts and a lot of coaches that I talk to, they say, you know, we know they're on TV. We know this. We know that. But the problem is, is there's so many of them. We right. also have a job to do it's, uh, during their time of year, too. You know, those mm-hmm. assistant coaches are trying to stop the pros. They're not worried so much about that one or two spots. So that tournament is important. Now, you mentioned that. Now, 19 and 12 overall. Right. They're eight and ten in the ACC. We'll get into the ACC tournament just a little in a little bit. Yep, nineteen and twelve doesn't get them in, right? Um, right now, I think it doesn't get them in. But of course, you said we'll talk about it later. But I think they have a chance to make some noise in the ACC tournament. However, we do have some impressive road wins. The win against Louisville on the road is a really impressive win. Mm-hmm. Uh, yesterday, I was I was at the game, one of the best games I've ever been to here at Syracuse against Clemson. It was a back-and-forth battle. They ended up winning by three, where Clemson almost made a half-court shot to tie it, and I was shocked that, that uh, they didn't make it. But the game yesterday really showed why Tyus Battle is an amazing basketball player. In the first half, he shot one of six, one of five from, from a three, for three points. And if you've watched Syracuse basketball this year, Tyus Battle is an amazing second-half player. 
no matter how badly he plays in the first half or how how well he plays in the first 20 minutes, he comes out ready to score. He started the second half on his personal 8-0 run. He scored the first eight points for Syracuse. It was two pull-up threes to show his perimeter shooting. And then he actually scored his 1,000th point as the seventh and the eighth point, which was his classic floater in the lane. He likes to go right, dribble right by him, and then use his strong frame to rise above the smaller guards, which gave him his 1,000th point, which was the... He is now the fifth player to reach 1,000 points for Syracuse before the end of his sophomore season, which is, I think, an amazing accomplishment. Well, I would think so, too, and that's great information for us all to know. Now, the thing is, the ACC is a tough conference, mm-hmm. and they're 8-10 in it. it like, it's, it's very difficult to be in, to win, and, and the, Syracuse has won it a few times, obviously. They've had some great teams. Mm-hmm. How do you rank this team? When you think about this team, and you, you've been following Syracuse for a while now, you've been covering them for two years, how do you see this team in, as far as Syracuse history goes? Syracuse history, well, coming I know this, you know this. This right. is something easy to do. With mm-hmm. So I don't think this is one of the most talented teams yet. We basically have, we go six or seven deep, but we really go three guys deep. I'll explain that why. Mm-hmm. We have three players who can score the basketball. We have Tyus Battle, Frank Howard, and O'Shea Brissett. All three O'Shea's my favorite, by the way. O'Shea, I think, is an amazing NBA talent. I think he's going to come back this year for, for next year, but... He is an amazing talent. But coming into the season, a lot of the expectations dropped when Torian Thompson transferred to Seton Hall. Um, He was a big man who could dominate the paint. He was only a freshman last year, so he didn't really get much playing time. But he really showed that he has some weaknesses on the defensive side of the ball. But on offense, he was a force to be reckoned with. He could use his left, use his right, step out for a little 15-footer. He could really be crafty around the rim. And losing him gave us absolutely zero interior presence on offense. Uh, Pascal Chukwu is a 7-2 center who has really bad hands, but he can really block the shot. He can block shots. However, he just can't he can't score on his own. He needs a alley oop or an offensive rebound to put it back up for a dunk. So they couldn't really throw the ball into him. Then they have uh, Barima Sibidai, who is a freshman big man who I absolutely love. Mm-hmm. However, he hasn't been healthy all year. So that really hurt us, and he's been playing through a lot of injuries, and he had one game where he really felt great, where he scored 18 points. See, and that's, that's it. Yeah, and that's impressive. Like You can't just come into the ACC and score 18 points as a freshman without having some, some talent. So I wouldn't really rank this team as one of the best Syracuse basketball teams. Obviously, I don't think they're a national championship contender, obviously, by their 19 and 12 record and being 10th in the ACC. However being tied there for in, in, in the ACC. However, I do believe this is a talented team that if they are given the chance to make the uh, NCAA tournament, they can win some games. They can shock some teams if they get hot from deep for like a little bit because they're one of the worst deep shooting teams in the ACC because they can attack the rim. Tyus Battle can finish around the rim. Frank Howard can finish around the rim. However, the offense is not what this team is built off of because they can't shoot a basketball. What they are built off of is their defense. Their defense is amazing. It is one of the most powerful defenses in the ACC. Their length at the top of the zone with Frank Howard and Tyus Battle is terrifying for opposing offenses because when you need to pass the ball into the zone, you've got to swing the ball around, and you can't just force it into the middle of the zone because those two guys have long arms, long hands, so they can just deflect balls. So if they can keep the game around 50 to 65-ish points, I think they can win some games. I think so too. You know, a couple seasons ago, they did a very good job winning me some cash because no one had them except for me. I almost won the damn bracket 
But you had them going to the Final Four that year. I had them going for the whole thing in Vegas from the beginning of the season. That's amazing. Oh yeah, because I well I I won't tell you the condition I was in when I made that bet, mm-hmm. but I can assure you elation followed after I succeeded. <laughs> of course, I wanted Nothing to throw the ticket away after season. I did it. To be honest, yeah. but because it was a stupid bet, I was half in a bag, oh. you know, when I did that. But uh, <laughs> whatever, it's me, it's Vegas, and it's supposed to be that way for me. Exactly. Anyway, we got this Wake Forest team coming up. Mm-hmm. The Syracuse team is uh, my guys from Syracuse are mm-hmm. the 11th seed. Yep. And they have Wake Forest Tuesday, March 6th, at the Barclays Center. Your Wait. favorite place, my least favorite, because I'm a Knicks fan, as you know. <laughs> 7 p.m. Eastern. Now, are you going to be there? Uh, unfortunately, I'm, I'm not. I have class during that. But I will be home on Thursday. So if they're able to beat Wake, and then if they're able to beat UNC, the next game, then I'll probably be there. But the Wake game is a really interesting game because, as you know, we lost them in our first meeting at Wake. A really disappointing loss that I don't think anyone expected to happen. But when they came back home to the Carrier Dome, they ended up winning by eight. So it's gonna it's it's gonna be pretty crazy playing a team three times in one season, because as you know in college basketball there isn't many games, uh, so it's pretty interesting to play a team three times. So this could really work in their favor and and against them. Uh, Wake now knows all their sets. Basically, they can uh, force them to become a perimeter shooting team, which really could hurt them <clears throat> down the stretch. However, Syracuse, I believe, is the talent is the much more talented team. Uh, they have NBA talent, I believe, maybe not this year in multiple players, but in years to come, this is a very talented team that if they get a few perimeter shots going, if they get out in transition, I think we can move on to the next round for sure. That sounds great. You know what? Let's talk a little bit about this uh, Jalen Rose character. My buddy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. My dear friend. I think my dear friend is wrong. And I told him yep. so the other day on Twitter. He didn't like that so much, but whatever. <laughs> but he claims, and he says that Kids, NC2A athletes, should boycott the tournament until they get paid. Interesting. Why do you think? Do you think that this is the? Do you think he's right? So I think Jalen Rose likes to say things that are kind of like out there. I think I he think, wants to. Well, yeah, this is how we get our name in media. Exactly. We, oh, of course. Of we're course. not trained at disbelief. <laughs> we're just dumb jocks who, you know, every time we speak give that theory more credibility exactly nothing wrong with that either <laughs> nothing wrong with it either yeah i'm not crying about it you know? i own it <laughs> exactly that's that's how we make our name famous but i think jalen rose has has a point here i don't believe the players should boycott because out of me being selfish i want to watch the march madness tournament like it's my favorite part of the entire year right but i don't think change will happen without action as we've seen in, in political discussion, as we've seen in sports uh, discussion, nothing's going to change, whether it be how the NCAA is, is run, whether it be paying players or not paying players. Nothing's going to change to make this, this corporation better without doing, like showing some action. Maybe boycotting is the answer, but I don't think it's the answer this year because it might be just jumping the gun a little bit too soon. But if we need change to happen, which I fully believe we do, I think Jalen has a point here. Maybe the players should boycott a week of play next year, or maybe they should boycott out-of-conference games. But the amount of money being made on, on March Madness and the amount of fans that would be hysterically crying if March Madness was canceled, including myself, would be really upset by this. But I do believe he has a point here. I really do. Yeah, he does. But, you know, here's the thing. What about a Matthew Moyer who gets into yeah. the tournament this year? He's from Ohio. He's a nice kid. He gets into the tournament, and and this now he doesn't get to play. Let's say, for example, he decides, you know, uh, 
maybe this basketball thing, I got to concentrate on my school. And he doesn't play, doesn't come back to play at Syracuse. I'm just using Matthew as an example. Oh, of mm-hmm. And the thing is, is now he doesn't get to play in that tournament. When you look at the participants in college basketball, 99% of them don't play professional sports again. Right. So this is their thing. Mm-hmm. You know, this is what they use to a further their basketball until it obviously ends and b to pay for their school, which right. some of them have to pay a lot of money to attend. Like my mm-hmm. next guest went to Dartmouth. He didn't get a uh, athletic yes. scholarship. Yeah. He, he luckily for him, he came from good genes and he has some brains. Mm-hmm. Otherwise he would really have been paying. So what do you say about to that? Cause there's so many of these kids, their right. dream is to play in that final four their dream is to make that video or whatever, uh, one shining moment, <laughs> yeah, whatever it is. Moment. Yeah, there you go. I mean, that's a big thing. Yeah, I mean, it's really tough because that comes back to paying players. Like, how much do you pay these the superstars in, in, like, a Marvin Bagley? But then how much would you pay a, a Matthew Moore, who I believe is a really big contribution to this team, but exactly. does not deserve as much as the star players, of course. So I think it's tough because you can't just tell all these players to boycott when – so many of them are not going to go to the NBA or play overseas. They're, they're, they're going to end their basketball playing career here and move, on to, and move on to something else. So it's really tough to tell them to say, hey, stop playing right now. Do this for the betterment of the NCAA players. But I just, I just don't see how this is going to benefit those kind of players like Matthew Moore. If he wants any shot at making the NBA or getting a G League scholarship, uh, not, not scholarship contract, or getting right, a Right, whatever. Yeah, we understood you. Yeah. But I just feel like these players, they, they live for this moment, like you said. This is their entire dream growing up. I still dream every night about playing in the NBA or playing in March Madness. Like, right. It's everything that we, that we dream of, and I think it would be terrible to take it away from these guys. Well, you're going to cover March Madness one day in a big mm-hmm. level, so whatever, or coach it, whatever. You're going to be there, that's for sure. I, I've known <laughs> that since the minute I met you. I appreciate that. And that's the fact. But seriously, though, when you look at this whole thing, and you talked, you kind of brought up, how do we pay these guys? That's the whole bottom line. Jalen wants to right. see these guys get paid, you know, because Jalen got paid. Let's be honest. Mm-hmm. Jalen likes us to Everyone's forget that sort of thing. But, you know, he got his money in, out of the back of a truck, which is fine, mm-hmm. too. I remember those days. Yeah. I'm a Michigan pro- <laughs> I'm a Michigan kid, too. I get it. I Believe me, That's I get us. it. But the That's thing us. is, is this. Now, we got all these young people out there who, for example, how do you pay a Matthew Moyer? Right. Or how do you pay someone like uh, Patrick Hurley? Or mm. someone like that. What what's differentiates? Now you've got to, what are you going to have to do? Get a salary cap? Yeah, that's what? why it's kind of weird because you can't just be like, oh, in high school this guy averaged twenty eight points and fourteen rebounds, but but uh, player B averaged seventeen and like five. So it's it's really tough there because they're playing against different talent. They're playing for different coaches. They're playing against different schools. So it's it's really tough there. I think the NCAA and the players. I think it's really important that the players. The NCAA and the coaches all sit down to talk about this because at, at, at the end of the day, the players who know that they're not the, the superstars understand that they're not going to get the big time money if the players get paid. I think it might be tough at, at first for them to realize that, but they know their role on the team and they know their place. But it is tough because if you need to make a, a salary cap in college basketball, then that just makes everything so much more difficult, whether it be t- teams being less, less talented than before because – if you start doing that, if, if we start playing players, which I think we should, the consequence is you might just have some really bad competitive basketball. Because as we see in the NBA, some teams are much, much better than the others. 
And you can just see, like, like Duke next year, who has three of the top three recruits. They have one, two, and three. Right. They're going to dominate college basketball next year. Maybe they're paying them. Maybe they're not. No one knows. But it's going it, to – a salary cap really could change the competitiveness of college basketball. You know, it's interesting that you brought that up with Duke because my next guest talked about Duke and how clean as a whistle that program is because Krzyzewski is like that. Mm-hmm. But still, when you look at this, you know – I'm for them getting something because it's not easy. You know, they're not allowed to get part-time jobs. How can they anyway? They've got to juggle school, training, practice, you name it, travel. You know, that's the other thing that people don't get is that some of these kids log a lot of miles during Mm -hmm. the school year. And that's very difficult. You know, they have to pay. They luckily for them, they get tutors and what have you. And luckily for them, they get to eat pretty well during the season. Yeah. But not off the season, they don't. I see some giving them a stipulation, a couple hundred bucks, like a part-time job, like a kid yeah. with a part-time job gets. But how do that. you? But what would you do with the rest of them? I mean, if you want to pay, say, uh, one of these superstars, twenty, thirty grand, you're going to also cause dissension in that locker room mm-hmm. because people are going to start to get jealous. Exactly. You know, they're and already you know, the these the kids already know that these some of these kids are getting money under the table. That's one right. thing. Oh, of course. Yeah. And they're, they're, maybe they know they shouldn't have gotten that. Right. But now when you're paying people and then you say, okay, what do you do? Do you have to do you look at them every year? Or mm. do you say, okay, Ray Featherston, eh, he wasn't so good this year. So right. do I give him less? And now what happens Do they Are they like major league baseball players? Do yeah, they go to I mean, arbitration then? And, and what point. happens to the scholarship? I mean, once you make a certain amount of money, you even with your part-time job, I think you still lose some scholarship money or you're not eligible to get some of right. the scholarships that these kids already get. Yeah. So there's a lot to it, man. So Jalen, here's the deal. <laughs> Little brother, you got to stay in your lane. <laughs> Come on, we'll go to Detroit Southwestern, run that school you got. I'm thinking of doing the same thing. You and I go play a little horse at Detroit Southwestern. How's that? But stay away from this college kids. My <laughs> God. Phil's the big baller over there. I love uh, it. Yeah, I, I, yeah. <laughs> I, I would be in trouble up there. I remember playing up in that gym a long, long time ago. Yeah. Those kind of days where we played in Michigan, you know, you would see these guys in the stands, and you'd yeah. be shooting free throws, and they'd be reaching in their trench coat. You don't know what they were trying to tell you. They're doing and, something wrong there, I'll tell you that. Yeah, yeah, it's not a lot of fun. But uh, yeah. Trey Young. You're speaking oh. of Trey Young, I want to get into this scandal in a minute. We're here with Andrew Godick from NoonsMagician.com. Great, great young man, hardworking, knows a very knowledgeable. One day you're going to be hearing his name. He'll be coaching the NC2A. Hopefully I'll still be doing radio because <laughs> I guarantee you he will come on my show. 100%. 100%. 100%. There won't even be. Forget the school. They have to come to me to get your contract exactly. anyway. You'll be That's my assistant coach. <laughs> I'll be the yeah, – absolutely. <laughs> Trey Young. Yep. I've called him a bust. I say he's going to be a bust. I say I call him Trey Burke 2.0. Okay, first name. I like the first name comparison there, but I did not like the uh, talent comparison. I didn't think so. Go ahead. Tell me where I'm wrong. Tell me what I'm missing. So I do believe you're right in the way way that he has a lot of of weaknesses, whether that be his decision-making at times or his, his body frame. However, people need to realize that the talent he is uh, playing with is nowhere near the talent of a Duke, of a Kansas, of a Kentucky, even of a Syracuse. I feel like our supporting cast is better than Oklahoma's supporting cast. They may not have the shooters that Oklahoma does, but we do have better 
uh, role players, I believe. However, right. I think so too. Yeah, but Trey Young is being double teamed every play. Whether that be off of the pick and roll, they're going to show two players who are going to hedge at him, making him have to make up a pass to a player who maybe is not the most talented player. So after he passes the ball eight or nine times, and that player doesn't finish around the rim, Trey Young thinks, "Oh, I have to make these plays because I'm the one superstar on the team," which he right. is. So he is small. Of course, he's small. Of course, he doesn't have the strength. The the whole Steph Curry comparison is kind of crazy because you can't really just give that that name to someone after not even a, a full season of play. Right. However, he isn't just a uh, scorer. He is averaging twenty seven point five points this year, which is first. Mm-hmm. But he's also averaging number one for assists. He's right, and his teammates. You know what? And I give him that credit. His teammates don't put the ball in the hoop very much. Exactly. And he and he has he even gets steals because the knock is against him. Well, you know, he doesn't play defense. Yeah, well, he, maybe he doesn't, so. but he he knows how to intercept balls in the passing lane. But then here, here's another thing. You name me three point guards in the NBA right now who play defense. You don't. I can't. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah. You, but here's the thing, though. But they, they know how to hide these guys in most cases, unless you're Isaiah Thomas. Exactly. But because uh, you can't hide him, <laughs> there's no way you can hide him. That's a him. Of discussion right there. <laughs> yeah, huh? we could talk about that for months. Easily. Easy. But here's the th- this is my thing with him. The real deal is I didn't like the comparison because to Steph Curry or to any other NBA player, I don't like that at all because I don't think that that kid deserves that. Right. He, he doesn't need the pressure. He already has enough. As a you know, freshman, here's a, too, that's, that's even more pressure for yeah, them. Yeah, and he came out of nowhere. Exactly. Now, my, my sport of tennis, you come out of nowhere and win something, that doesn't happen very often. Mm-hmm. And and I don't think that this guy is going to be all that. And they were talking about his 46% from three. Well, now it's down to 36%. I think yeah. that's where he's probably at, which is yeah. halfway decent. Mm-hmm. But, but, here's, but here's what scared me the most, Andrew. I'll, I'll be honest. When he got interviewed a couple weeks back, Maybe you saw I posted this. I don't know. Maybe not. Whatever. But he said that team, no team has ever guarded him. No player's ever been That's guarded right, in yeah. the NC2A like me. And they're, they're, the book is out on me. Well, what? And my thought is, is what is going to happen when you get to the NBA? Because right. now those guys sitting behind the uh, bench in suits, their job is to figure out how to stop you. Exactly. One guy for one player. I mean, those guys aren't just uh, ushers back there. Right. That's their job. And if he's having a hard time with college kids, what's he going to do when he mm-hmm. has to play against real men who, not to say that these young guys aren't, but right. guys who are trying to feed their families and who get paid solely to stop him? Exactly. Like, I, I do believe he has a chance to be successful at the NBA, and I do mm-hmm. see those concerns. He really can't be saying that stuff because every player is going to be guarded differently. Whether you right. be the superstar of your team or just a three and D player, yep. if he's worried about teams figuring in him out in uh, college, he has a big uh, wake a wake up call when he goes to the NBA. I, I would say, oh, However, real one, <laughs> yeah. But I really do think it's a difference when you play with with NBA talent. Like I said, he doesn't have a great supporting cast. So right. yes, teams are double teaming him off the pick and rolls. They are double teaming him when he goes into the lane. But no one knows where he's going to go next year, if he stays, if he, if he leaves, where, where he gets drafted. I think playing with real NBA talent around him is going to make, this pl- is going to make Trae Young a much better player. I okay, think that's fair. If he has spacing on the wings, if he has a, uh, a, a post-game presence, I think he is a much different player who can really use the pick and roll to his 
advantage. Because as we've seen in the NBA this year and last year and many years before, the pick and roll is really dominating uh, fourth quarter play, whether yep. it be last minute isolation sets or really just getting into your really uh, basic motion set. I think Trey Young can really run the pick and roll, whether pull up for three, keep going to the rim, because he really can finish inside, whether it might be a great percentage or not. He is really crafty inside, kind of like a Steph Curry, but I'm not going to say that he has the same finishing skills as Steph Curry, but I feel like he has that kind of little craftiness inside, which would really help him. So I think we need to see him play with better talent before we say he's not the player he is. I don't think he's, he's going to average 27.5 points per game at the next level, but I do think he can really help a team score on offense. And like you said, these coaches have a plan to hide bad defenders. Isaiah oh, yes. Thomas, like you said, is a different story. But <laughs> I think I think a really good coach could hide Trey Young on a team on a team where maybe there's a Tabas Avalosha he has to guard, who isn't really a, a very talented offensive player, but right. he could be exposed there by his his lack of size. But I really think he could develop quick hands to get steals. He can get in the passing lane, maybe get low on like an offensive rebound and just and just swipe the ball away. I think he has potential to show some defensive skills. I don't think he's going to be a lockdown defender, but I do think he can be a NBA point guard. That's fair. You know what? That's very fair. Because all I hear are from his groupies, and you know, right. uh, and, and the people who uh, thought that they were the ones who found him. <laughs> and, and I talk to AAU coaches who say this isn't going to last. Mm-hmm. They're the same guys who told me Markel Fultz had an AAU spin move, and that won't last in the no, NBA that's, either. That's not lasting. Yeah. See, so I have my sources too, and you and I we've talked about basketball a lot together. Right. And I know some things, not a lot of things, but one thing I do know is that this NC2A scandal is not good. Or is it good? What do you think about this? You don't have to get too deep with it, right. but what do you think about this? And who does it affect the most? I think, like you said, it's not good and it uh, could be good. It's not good because you don't want this negative publicity coming out for you around the most popular time for your season, March Madness. Because right. you, you you can guarantee that during the uh, pregame shows, you're going to hear CBS and other networks talking about this for sure. Whether for players sure. should play, whether coaches should still coach, and whether players should be paid at, at, at the end of the day. However, I do think it is a good thing. The timing isn't right because, like I said, of March Madness coming up. But I think things need to change. I really think these players are bringing in so much money for these universities that, and for these coaches that something needs to change here whether it be paying players like, like we talked before, whether it be giving them money for food, for different social outings, I don't know what, what it would be. I think the publicity around the time is really bad. You want this time of year to be talking about Trey Young, to be talking about Duke basketball, to be talking about hopefully Syracuse basketball making the tournament. But you want this time of year to be the peak of positive talk for your, for your company. And I think this is really going to hinder it a little bit. I think March Madness is still going to take over the uh, you know, headlines because it's the best tournament in all sports. But I do think it is a good thing to be brought up now because something needs to change. These players are not being treated fairly, and the coaches are taking the fall here, which could be up for discussion whether they should or, or whether they should not, whether it should be the universities or these other organizations that they're working with that are really breaking the NCAA rules. But I do think... <clears throat> they have proof of stuff going on, of course, whether it be true completely, whether it be false completely. Um, I believe this is a good time to bring it up, but it might hurt the image of NCAA for a little bit. You know what? That's Those are all great thoughts. 
And you kind of led me to um, my next guest in a way because he's an attorney now, and he talked about the buyout clauses of some of these coaches. Mm-hmm. And he, when he was coming up, they didn't have the AAU yet. Right. But still, he's got a pretty good perspective. But that's a very good breakdown. I'm not against paying these kids. Really, I'm not. I've mm-hmm. always been one of those guys to say, you know, look, when you look at the money that, say, the average student pays to go to Syracuse, for example, it's pretty. It's a lot of money. Right. And for social activities, like you said, you, you got to do something to pay for that. You mm-hmm. either get a part-time job, have, you know, parents who look after you, whatever, or something. Exactly. These athletes, a lot of these athletes, people forget this, but a lot of these athletes have never had a job because they never had to because they've been getting right. money from AAU all the way up. Or and, the time. They haven't really had like any time to actually get these jobs. They've been it's working. Difficult. Yeah, it's difficult. And, and the other thing, too, is that not just the time, but look where a lot of these kids are from. Right. I mean, you know what? People talk about LeBron James all the time, and I shut them up. I close the door on them quick. Because if you saw where LeBron James came up from and how he got raised, you'd you'd be amazed. You wouldn't say another word about him. Right. And a lot of these kids are in the same very humble existences, mm-hmm. and they don't really know how to manage money. They they need to learn how. And the best way to do that is to put a couple hundred bucks in their pocket, no Let's more, no less, mm-hmm. and say and live on this for a week. Right. Like like the kid in the sitting next to you in class. Yeah, of course. I and mean, they're gonna go. They're gonna become better at a lot of things because of it. But when you see the money that those programs generate, and this is where I do agree with Jalen and the rest of those guys, because when they were the Fab Five, they were something. Oh, and it was, there was, it was stuff crazy. everywhere, and they weren't getting a penny from it. And it was because of, you know, Jawan Howard making phone calls mm-hmm. that they got together. It had nothing to do with Fisher. It was him. Right. And, hey, let's go play. Jimmy, come on up here. Ray, come on up here. Whatever. So I think they should get something. These scandals, though, these are not good. This is a big black eye for the NC2A, yeah. but it's also a wake-up call because some of those coaches, and I don't, I'm definitely not against those coaches making their dough. Look, you know what? They could be coaching in the NBA, a lot of them, and exactly. making more dough, but they chose to be great mentors, and a lot of them are. Some of them, got caught up in the hoopla because that money is for real. But we'll have to Definitely wait and see how this all comes out. That's for sure now. Yeah. We're getting ready to wrap it up with Andrew Godnick from Noon's Magician and then my friend uh, who rips on me continually <laughs> in the next segment decides to show his face. We'll bring him on later. Who you got as a favorite to win this whole thing? So I'm going to stick with the team I said is going to win it all at the beginning of the season. I think – even though they lost last night to North Carolina, I think Duke is the favorite to win it all this year. I think they have their defensive problems for sure, whether it be lazy sometimes on defense, whether it be a tough time uh, rotating on defense. But I think their offensive system is too potent. They could dominate any team offensively, whether it be inside with Wendell Carter and Marvin Bagley or outside with, of course, Grayson Allen and Gary Trent Jr. just dominating the perimeter. I think their inside-out game is too dominant on all levels to be stopped they could go down early like like they do usually because uh duke has had that in the past uh whether it be breaking down defensively or their their shooters struggling from the field i mean in the game where where uh, syracuse played them this year we lost but we held them to really low uh, shooting percentage they barely made any threes at that game which kind of kept us in striking distance but i think duke's offense is too dominant to be stopped 
I think there I made like a little tier. I made a uh, tier one. I think Duke is in there. I think Michigan State is in there. Yes. I think Kansas is in there. I think UNC is in there. I think at the at the end at the end of the day, you need a dominant guard in college basketball because as we've seen in the NBA too, last second shots, you're really not throwing it down to your big man. You may say, oh, I want to draft this this uh, big guy because he can really fortify my uh, front line. However, I think the guard is going to dominate play this year, and I think Kansas, Michigan State, and UNC has that. Cassius Winston, baby. Yep. That's I, I'm all over this Michigan State. I, I, I'm going to disagree with you. I'm glad you brought them up so I don't feel stupid. But because uh, I, I don't, this is the first NCAA show we've done in ten years. Amazing. And and, and I, this is the first year I've actually watched it the last few weeks when they told me they wanted me to try to do this. Because mm-hmm. I'm so busy with NBA, it's hard to do all that stuff. Man. Right. You, know, you see how much work I do more, more than anybody. Exactly. Almost. <laughs> but here's the thing. I'm a guy. I'm a Michigan State. I, I'm really a Michigan fan, but I like this state team. I, I've always been a fan of Coach Tom Izzo. Mm-hmm. I remember when he coached in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan way back when. Yep. So uh, I'm with them all the way. Who do you got as your long shot? To win the NC2A. I love Arizona. I ah, know you do. I do. I do. I know. I, I just said you need a guard to be your best player to really dominate the last play. But I think Arizona was ranked as a top team earlier this year for a very good reason. They, they did struggle at the beginning. But when you bring your best player in as a freshman, it's really tough to like adjust to that for the veterans and, and for the coaches to really build your offense and your defensive scheme around that. But I think they have the perimeter play to drive the paint, to work the pick and roll. And I think Aiton can be a force in March Madness. I really do. I think he can dominate the paint on both ends. I think he can really bring the crowd with him too. If he makes two big, two big blocks or two dominant dunks, I think he can really dominate a game and make them go on a run. Okay, you mentioned guards, right? Mm-hmm. Let's see, let's see what you think of this one. This is my long shot. Teagues, are you listening? Lindell Wingington, baby. I think he's going to dominate somebody, maybe a couple of people. I, the only time I saw West Virginia play, it was really funny, is all this talk about Trey Young, this, Trey Young, that. And so I watched them play against West Virginia. And I kind of like that team. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go with Lindell and, and the boys as my long shot. And now if we had to pick one overrated team, who would that be? One overrated team. So... I don't know if this is going to be taken well, but Villanova, maybe a Virginia. <laughs> but I'm going to say this for this reason. They're overrated in the case where I think every year, Villanova, maybe not so much. I think Virginia this year. So I know Virginia's number one. I know that they are dominating play. But every single year, it, it, it annoys me so much when we always say, oh, this is Virginia's year, and then they don't win. And I think they have a dominant team this year. They can easily go to the Final Four, maybe even go to the national title game. However, I just don't see them getting getting over the hump offensively. Whether it be Kyle Guy just dominating play, I don't see him dominating offensively enough to beat the best teams. That's a good call because that's who was my team, Virginia. Yeah. I like Ty Jerome better than all of them. I love Ty Jerome. Great play. But but you know what? Uh, I just, for whatever reason, Isaiah Wilkins, you know, we have a Wilkins near and dear to our heart. Mm-hmm. Your roommate. <laughs> but, <laughs> of course. <laughs> we, big shout out to you too, my big friend. But any, yeah, absolutely. But uh, I, I think Isaiah Wilkins is a nice player, but if they're leaning on him defensively, I think right. they're going to have an issue. And I think they got many issues there. And I think the biggest issue is they're not the best basketball team in Virginia anymore. I'll tell you what, Andrew, 
Fantastic job. I knew you'd bring it. I had Thank a lot you, of a lot of people wanted to come on. I said, I know exactly who I'm bringing. <laughs> Thanks for having me, man. This was amazing. Are you kidding me? Now, where can we find you on Twitter? Uh, Ann Godnick, but don't spell the K. So it's A-N-G-O-D-N-I-C. Right. So that's my uh, Twitter handle. Or you can reach me at andrewgodnick at gmail.com. Awesome. And you are writing still over at Noon's Magician. He I does am. great work over there. Thank that's an man. SB Nation site. Y'all know I've been with the SB Nation a long time. I'm actually writing a weekly column for Sonic's Rising. So uh, I like it over there. Thanks a lot, man. Time. We'll see you Thank real you. soon. Thank you so much for being here. Coming Thanks up next, Greg Frame will be here. Oh, boy. You want to hear somebody beat me up? My old friend will do just that. <laughs> and we'll be right back. You're listening to The Phil Nason Show. Hi, we're all Forget, and you're listening to Phil Nason Show. And we're back. And I tell you what, I miss Pussy Pearson. He was one of my closest friends in Greece. And I'm so thankful that he was able to record that little uh, comeback from the commercials in order to do that. And if you get a chance, pick up the Rock Falkid album. They're in the Hill- Rockabilly Hall of Fame in Tennessee. And Pussy, thanks for everything, buddy. I do appreciate it. Great to have friends on the show and one of my oldest friends. Played at the University of Dartmouth. I'm sorry, Dartmouth College, Dartmouth <laughs> University. See, I'm making him laugh because we've been Dartmouth talking college. Yeah, Dartmouth see, we've college, been talking this Phil. crap for years back and forth. He is though, wherever he did go to school, he did, and is in the top ten leading scorers at their basketball team. And believe it or not, they have one, and it's good. Please welcome <laughs> Mr. Greg Frame to the show, Framer man. It's good to have you here, brother. Thanks to be on, Phil. It's it's great to be on. I'm excited to talk uh, college hoops and uh, and yep, the Dartmouth years were a long time ago. As was uh, me kicking your butt in tennis. I think, Phil. Yeah, I do remember that vaguely. And I I have this thing that I'm paying you back at some point very soon. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, you did hammer me. That was something, though. I, I don't I don't really that, want to play tennis with you though because you. That know, was back about probably uh, seventy pounds ago for me, and I'm not sure how many for you. Okay. So. Yeah. Well, you know what? I actually am heavier now than that. So. <laughs> me we're, too. We're yeah. We're close. We're very close. But I'm on that one meal a day thing now. Good for you. Yeah, I'm yeah. on the seafood diet. I see food and I eat it. I got to stop that. Me too, especially in Maine, dude. I, I got to tell you, the food up there is incredible. I go up there the last couple summers to do tennis, and uh, it is amazing up there. You're Nothing better than a lobster man. roll, right? Oh, my God. You can even get lobster rolls at the uh, McDonald's. <laughs> yep. <laughs> They're everywhere. But uh, I'm not sure hoops. you'd want to, but you can. Oh, well, we have to be careful because they sponsor the show. So, um. We want to I send a big McDonald's. shout out. It's, yes, especially the just French not fries. the lobster rolls. Yeah, no, we we avoid those. Yes, yes, we do. And and I'll be looking for a new sponsor tomorrow, so it's okay. <laughs> Welcome back to the show, buddy. Anyway, summer hoops, man. When you played, now you played at a high level. You played at Dartmouth. Let's. I know I was making a lot of jokes about it, but I'm very proud of you. You're still the all-time in the top ten leading scores. Now you played summer hoops in Maine, right? 
I did. Yes, I did. Was it AAU then? No, this was, uh, you know, dating myself, but I'm pre-AAU. So Me too. I'm, Me st- too. I'm still the generation where you went to, you know, a local uh, camp or a camp on a college campus, and that's really where you got the best competition. Um, those days are certainly have come and gone, though, Phil. Well, I know they have. You know, I stopped playing competitive. I played in high school till, through my senior year, but in the summers I focused on my tennis, if you remember. But uh, Sure. We had the high school league that we were in was the Saginaw Valley League, so we had a summer league against each other, like Eric Turner and those guys. Sure. But, but the thing is, is uh, there was no organized thing like there is. The first time I saw it is when I moved to Vegas because they had this big Vegas tournament. And I refereed in it. Now, when did how did? But the one thing I wanted to ask you because in tennis we used to get T-shirts and tennis shoes from these companies like when Nike first started when they first came out. Did you guys get anything at all in the summer? So in high school or? Yeah, or, in high no, school. Because you no, were one nothing. of the top recruits out of Maine, though, right? Yeah, nothing. I mean, it was, um, you know, that that AAU, the the uh, transition to AAU and, and really big money from shoes came uh, after my time. I'm certainly, you know, well aware of it. And we, you know, certainly at, at, when I was at Dartmouth, we were sponsored, I think, my first couple of years by Adidas and then my last couple of years by Nike and, right. and got shoes that way. But um, certainly not on the um, the level that you're seeing in the, you know, the Big East and the Pac-12 Pac and, and those, or Pac-10 and those type of levels. Well, those guys are like walking billboards. Um, and that's crazy. They are. And I think that that's probably part of the part of the problem here, Phil, too. I mean, it's, um, you know, you look. You look back, I don't know if you've seen um, the uh, Requiem for the Big East, which is that 30 for 30 on ESPN. I did uh, see But it. There's, a, there's a great piece in there where Jim uh, Jim Beheim, I know you've got a Syracuse guest coming on or has or been he on. He just talking, was, yeah, sure. Yeah, um, talking about how when he, you know, when the big money shoe deal started coming in, he was looking, saying, okay, I'm making $140,000 at Syracuse and I'm getting paid multiples of that to wear certain shoes from the shoe company and you know who's your boss at that point you know who's your um you know who's in who's in charge um and it's really kind of a you know it's not it's not just syracuse it's all over the place john thompson talked about too and i think it's a it's a it's a real uh the 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 shoe money that came in has certainly um caused some some good and some ill well yeah do you remember when i was sponsored by gamma yeah, I do. It's the same thing, you know. I do. Yeah, do you remember? I think I, actually, I, think I actually had like some gamma, like uh, you gave me a gamma shock absorber for my tennis racket or like tape or something. Well, I broke your racket, really, but I had to give you a new one. I gave I gave your wife a racket, though, because I like That's, her more than you. Yeah, uh, so do I. Yeah. yeah everyone does. <laughs> but seriously, though, uh, it, the lure there, when you're talking about coaching, because that was just the – I turned into a freaking billboard for Gamma. If you remember that summer camp we were at, that sure. tennis camp or the sports camp, there was Gamma everywhere. Sure. And that's really, you know, these these companies, you know, Sonny Vaccaro and um, you yeah, know, Phil, Knight, Phil Knight, you know, that um, certainly kind of ahead of their time. I'm not sure they, they could have imagined what they see now. But, um, you know, John, you know, the the – the efforts in the early eighties to put, you know, Nikes on, on Georgetown and, and the influence that had on George, uh, on Nikes you know, revenues, particularly in the inner city, you know, Georgetown was considered the inner city team and everyone wanted to have Georgetown Nike gear and, um, you know, Syracuse. And it was, um, 
they're they're all walking billboards and it's you know it's gotten for depending upon your your view of it better or worse i mean you know schools now you know their uniforms have the logo on it and each school is a sponsorship with a, a different shoe company, whether it be Nike or Adidas. And I, I say shoe, but it's apparel too as well. Um, Nike, Adidas, or Under Armour or whatever. So it's um, there's a lot of money out there, and, and these shoe companies wouldn't be spending it if they did, weren't getting a return on their investment. Well, that's just it. You know, when I was coming up in tennis, we got lots of stuff for free. And that's what screwed up our eligibility because I had to go somewhere else instead of where I should have gone, like Stanford. Because believe it or not, I had a very high SAT, as you might remember. But, uh, well, maybe you don't remember because <laughs> – but seriously, though, at the end of the day is – Phil, you know you got 400 for writing your name correctly. Well, I didn't that's – that's why I didn't get 2200 <laughs> because I spelled my name wrong, you see. I, I spelled it there the way go. my grandma spelled it, you know. So, there you go. But anyway, it's true. But the thing is, is this. When you look at this money – and I thought we were doing pretty good. And I used to laugh at the basketball guys, but now it's the opposite. I see these kids in the summertime who are actually walking billboards. They've got big bags that say Adidas, top 10 or big 10, whatever they call them now. And they got all these things. And now these kids, this is AAU, and now they're getting recruited. And if they're getting all this now when they're 15 to 16, what do they expect when they want to sign up for a college? Oh, for sure. And, and I think the, there's the expectation of, you know, what college is going to look like and how much gear they're going to get or, or what they're going to get from college. But I think even more, I think, troubling from a just an NCAA perspective and, and the perspective of, of kids being able to choose the right school and the right coach for them is there's that influences. Well, you've got to go. You've been on an Adidas AU team. You've got to go to an Adidas school or you've been on a Nike AU team. You've got to go to a Nike school. And there's there's a lot of, it, of that out there, uh, and and so those you know the the AAU leadership you know the the coaches and the folks who run those AAU teams have a you know they're kingmakers I think in college basketball right uh, I'm I'm not as familiar with with football but I can't imagine something similar doesn't happen with football and and football obviously the revenues are maybe not so obviously but the revenues are even bigger um, but those you have folks who are largely unregulated serving as kingmakers in a, in a regulated industry. Right. That's never a good recipe either. And now you've got this mess and you've got all these colleges having to vacate wins. And by the way, the University of Michigan won in 2013, just like I said they would. <laughs> yeah, let's go blue. So here's the deal. My prediction came true. You see, I, I'm telling you. You had, to wait on... eight years. you had to wait five years, Phil. Well, it doesn't matter. I still was right. And I want to remind people of this. If I was wrong and I took the other team, I wouldn't say a word about it. Exactly. <laughs> but anyway, so you got these D1 recruits. And some of the money that I've been reading about that exchanged hands allegedly, because this is all allegations at this point, I, I have a very good lawyer who would advise me to shut up now. Exactly. Because <laughs> he doesn't want to deal with any more crap. But uh, at the end of the day, how does this, how does this happen and how do they fix it? So, boy, that's a that's a loaded question. Um, I know. I'm sorry. You I know, learned from my lawyer. How does it happen? It happens because these, um, you know, it is big money, Phil. And I, you know, just to give you a, a sense, you know, the the money going to these schools. You know, obviously the 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 contract um, that the the NCA has with the um, 
televisions are billions of dollars. And then you just kind of break it down. You say, okay, these, these coaches are making, you know, Coach K, Coach Krzyzewski down at Duke, right. um, who's not been involved in any scandals, um, but he's making $9 million. You know, Coach Calipari, who Jeez. is the height of scandal, and Coach Patino as well, you know, $7 million. Um, Bill Sell five million. So, wow. so this is they're making many, many multiples of what their bosses, whether it be the AD or the um, the president of the university or the provost, is making. Right. And and their their teams are getting, you know, the, the, their universities are getting all this money from um, from merchandising and from the from the sneaker company. So it's how do we get here? We got here because it's 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 big money, and some universities will plug their nose and go forward. I mean, let's take Kentucky for example, uh, and I don't. I'm not picking on Kentucky, but it's they're they're a perfect example. Right. They hired John Calipari, Phil, mm-hmm. knowing that John Calipari had sent two other institutions to the Final Four, and both of those had been vacated because of improprieties. Yeah. See, that would never. Well, they, 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 right. They, they, so, so they, they hired John Calipari knowing that when he was at UMass, UMass had to pull down their banner for Final Four. And when he was at Memphis, they had to pull down their banner for Final Four. And Kentucky says, hey, John, how much will it take to get you here? And that, to me, is a problem because they're, they're looking going, it doesn't matter that he's vacated these Final Fours. He's going to make us a lot of money, and, and we're going to have to plug our nose and, and cover our eyes um, but it's worth it. And there's an old saying that, you know, I was talking to a college coach once who was recruiting a kid and they were talking about the, the quality of the kid and, and, you know, and, 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 you know, how good he was as a player and how good he was as a person. And, and he said, you know, we, the question we ask is, is he better than his problems? Meaning we'll, <laughs> we'll take, we may take a, a troublesome kid if he's unbelievable because he may be better than his problems. Oh, that's tough. You know, you know University of Kentucky probably looked at John Calipari and said, He's better than his problems, and we'll, we'll take that risk. Uh, yeah, that's right. You know, and and, and so there's, um, you know, I have. This is a loaded question. I mean, I, I have some ideas. I mean, I, I, I think. Well, you want me I to try it again? My, my thing. Okay, so this is how it yeah. happened, and you've got these coaches who are now making nine million or so a year, and they want to and keep that's, their that, job. And that's and that's hoops, Phil. You know, look at. Um, Look at football. You know, Nick Saban, I think, is $11 million. Right. I mean, Dabo you want to keep that. nine. You, where are and you going to get that kind of money? And he made, well, but, but the, the, the salary, Phil, isn't, isn't even the, the most, yeah. to, me, to me, the most compelling thing about this. The most compelling, because that money's coming out of their revenues. These, these programs are making money. Of course. The most compelling are. thing to me, Phil, is I just did a quick search this morning okay. on buyouts. So you got a guy who's doing the wrong thing. And the buyout. So in football, if Alabama wants to buy out Nick Saban, twenty-six million dollars. Damn. If if Clemson wants to buy out Dabo Sweeney, it's nine. It's forty million. Okay. Okay. And you look at and you look at the nineteenth highest paid guy, which is the guy Chris Peterson out of Washington, who only makes and I say only four million dollars a year. He only makes four million. If he starts screwing around or you know his buyout's thirty million dollars. That's you know, you're, talk, you're talking about eliminating, you know, chemistry professors and, and departments to cover buyouts. Right. That's crazy. You know, that's a great point. I'm glad that you brought that up. 
Because the thing is, is now these schools, it costs them 10 times more to get rid of them than it does to pay them to stay. Well, then you've got, I, I don't know if you've been following this, Phil, and, and then I'll shut up and listen to you ask me questions. But the, <laughs> no, the Sean, keep talking. The Sean Miller thing to me is is amazing. Yeah. Now I don't know. You know, we're we're at a time right now where it's questionable whether Sean Miller did have that conversation with, um, with the, the agent in regards right. to DeAndre Ayton or not. Um, and you know, some people would say it doesn't matter whether he had it or not. He's under his watch. Book Richardson, his assistant coach, is facing perhaps sixty years in jail for um, impropriety. So right. it doesn't matter whether he talked to an agent or not. But let's just let's just assume he did talk to the agent. The, his contract, Phil, basically doesn't distinguish between getting terminated for cause and terminated without cause. Now, what does that mean in layman's well, terms? So, so, so cause means terminated for cause means you've been terminated, and it's defined differently in each employment agreement. But generally, right. if you're terminated for cause, it's because you've violated a law or you've um, engaged in moral turpitude or sorry, I shouldn't use the you know, three syllable words with you, Phil. I apologize. Yeah, but, you should, but, you know, uh, <laughs> I'm serious. You're, but, you're losing but, me again. I'm going to hang up the phone in a minute, but you know, so causes you know, <laughs> that, that you, that you have caused versus 20 years you know, of this. I've been listening to this stuff you know, versus without causes. You know, we just, we don't think you're doing a good job or, you didn't win enough for us. That's not that's not cause term. Cause has to be you know you violated a law or you breached a particular thing in the contract. Sean Miller's contract, as I understand it, as I've read, does not distinguish between termination for cause and termination without cause. Which means, Phil, that Sean Miller and I'm not saying I don't know what happened with Sean Miller, but there is literally besides Sean Miller's conscience, no disincentive for him not to cheat. Dang. Because if he cheats and if he's terminated for cause, he's essentially getting the exact same payment as if they just terminated him because they said, Sean, you didn't win enough games this year. Wow. You know what? You're lucky you're better than your problems. <laughs> that was, that's exactly what I was looking for from you, too. You know, the thing is, and too, so basically they have a license to do whatever they want. And if, if for example, the school wants to dismiss them, these guys are going to make more than if they were working. Well, they, I mean that 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 Sean that Sean Miller. I know that's his contract. Most contract. I mean, I've, I've been doing employment law for fifteen years. I've right. never seen a contract like it. Most of them will say um, that if you violate an NCA regulation or violate a law, you know, you'll be vi- terminated for cause, and you'll get much less or or nothing. You know, and we see that with uh, with Rick Pitino. Um, Again, someone who was better than his problems. You know, troubles followed him wherever he went. And he goes right. to Louisville, and and now you know he had the, the the stripper thing at Louisville and other stuff at Louisville, and and you know assistant coaches going rogue. And he's of course these coaches are trying to say that it's my program and I'm the head of the program, and the buck stops with me. Except when something like that happens, and right. then they claim ignorance. Right. But you know he's he's he had cause language. And Louisville did terminate him for cause, so he's suing them for thirty-seven point five million. Wow! Basically saying that's what I'm owed on the contract, and you didn't terminate me for cause. Now I think having assistant coaches who hire strippers to, you know, entertain your recruits, and having assistant coaches, you know, do other things would be cause. But we'll wait to see what happens with that. And my guess is that Louisville at some point will settle it out. I'm guessing that Dartmouth didn't do any of that for you when you tried when you were being recruited. <laughs> no, I think I think I was told I'd get you know four four pairs of sneakers and a and a uh, 
and a sweatsuit and, uh, you know, a couple of pairs of sweatsuits, you know, the, the gear that we had. Um, but it's, you know, it, it's, uh, you know, I, and your dad, been, and they told your dad, make sure they check his payable to Dartmouth. Exactly. Cause it's the only, <laughs> uh, it's the only division one conference that doesn't provide, uh, scholarships. So, uh, for, uh, exactly. For, 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 uh, sports, but in scholastic, sports. now you yep. were also pretty smart. So you probably got a couple of bucks. I, I did. All right. Yeah, I did. I did. I did well when I that was That didn't for happen sure. for me, unfortunately, <laughs> as you probably can already figure out after 10 years listening to me on this show. But, uh, the thing is, is now and you also got the boosters too. You know, I remember when I I was a big fan of UNLV. Um, Jerry Tarkani and his wife. Oh, to, sure. I used to give her tennis lessons. He's the one who got me into sports roughing out there, and I was doing some scrimmages for him. Really wonderful guy. He got me to teach at UNLV the tennis, and whatever. But uh, these people out there, my goodness, they had boosters who were involved in every aspect of that program. And I and I've said this, Phil, for for decades now that I have greater respect for Tark than I ever did for Rick Pitino. Oh, right. And here's why Tark would do what he wanted to do. And then he'd say the NCAA is just a, a mess and, and, and they're wrong and I'm going to do it. And I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to get the kids I want to get. And I'm going to, I'm going to help their, their family, you know, whatever Tark was doing, he, he, he made no bones about it. You know, he 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 was very upfront. He sued the NCAA, as, as you recall, when he was back. I think at Long Beach State, you, oh, you know, yeah. in the seventies. Sure. But um, you know, versus someone you know like like Patino, who you know would would proclaim to be high and mighty, and 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 yet you know all this stuff was going on. Um, you know, it, I I respected Tark a lot more. The, the booster thing, Phil, has been going around. Forever, you know. Forever, if you yeah. if, if you look back, you know John Wooden, who I respect greatly and dearly, um, and try and model many things in my life after. Right. You know he's he's held to this high standard. You, you, you peel back that onion, and there was incredible booster involvement with US UCLA. Of course, there was. You know, Every college Char- is like that. Charlie Gilbert was you know giving these guys jobs and and, and cars and, and money. And then, you know, this is the sixties and seventies. Um, so that's not a, that's not a new phenomenon at all. Um, you know, I think uh, to me, the, the, the way to, to correct the behavior is to, is to firmly penalize the coaches. Um, you know, I, I, I find it hard to, I find it hard to, to justify penalizing a, mother and father and son who are going to a college and get a $200 meal when, um, and not the coach who's in charge of that program. Right. That makes sense. That that to me is, is I think if, if the coaches, you know, the coaches were, were put in such a position that they, if they had a level of NCAA violation that they couldn't coach anymore, Right, um, and I think that would correct some behavior. I also think that that the colleges should be penalized, such that there's NCA um, ineligibility across the board. So you think think of the peer pressure. This is kind of a out in left field, but think of the peer pressure that would come about if at the University of Kentucky or any university, if there was a violation, major violation in any sport that the other sports would be ineligible. Do you think that the tennis coach at, you know, State University X 
wouldn't be keeping his eye on the football or basketball coach. Of course, if he, he knew would. that if he knew that my program would lose NCAA eligibility this year if something happened. Oh, I guess he would. You know, I, I instead think that, of looking at them with a green eye because you know they're jealous because these guys are driving Lamborghinis. And exactly. And how can I get mine? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's, that's the problem. See, that's a lot of it to do with. The thing is, though, is these boosters, they're, they're kicking cash. I, I don't get, this is what I, I thought about the other day. Why don't they operate more like a three strikes and you're out? If you, three violations, no matter how many places you've coached, accumulate three violations, you no longer can coach college sports. I mean, that's that's essentially what I'm saying. I mean, I yeah, think that's you, what I mean. Yeah. I think you put, you know, I, and I think... I think you can have tears to it, you know. If you know, if there's a there's a violation that a booster under your watch took a kid out to dinner. I mean, I don't I don't think you should get the death penalty for that. But um, you know, if you're paying if you're paying a hundred you know grand to to an agent to get access to a kid, you know, maybe that is the death penalty. Um, you know, the idea that you know, with the DeAndre Dayton thing in, in Arizona, I'm not sure what, what's happening there. And there's conflicting testimony, but the numbers seem to stagger people. The, um, the fact that it's happening doesn't and shouldn't. That's been happening for years. They're, right. they're kid, well known that, okay, you want to talk to this kid, it's going to cost this much to get you a home visit. And that's, you know, I think coaches are, are allowing that to happen. And if you, if you penalize the coaches, I think, uh, I think you'd find a greater compliance. I think that makes sense. I'll tell you what, you made a lot of sense today. Thank you so much for being on the show with me, dude. All right, Phil. Hey, always, I look forward to uh, listening to future shows. You've got a great show going. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you. That was Greg Frame, and that's going to wrap it up for today's show. I want to thank Andy and Greg for being here and doing our very first NC2A show. Until next time, you all take care of yourselves. Be good, and most importantly... Ladies and gentlemen, my mother thanks you, my father thanks you, my sister thanks you, and I thank you.